0: Thank you for listening to the Five Points Parish Podcast. This is recorded at St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Tiffin, Ohio. Please visit our YouTube channel and our website for more information. Those links are found in the description below. Thank you. And now, for the podcast. Good morning, please join me in the prayer of illumination that's printed in your bulletins and on the screen. God of community and hope, spark our passion. Lead us as we learn, worship and serve your holy name in spaces near and far. With your guidance, help us to see that through the sharing of our gifts, we are strengthening and building community. We give thanks to you this morning for feeding our hearts and minds with your word. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread to eat for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What you amongst you people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they, were fit, when they were satisfied, he told the disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I spent the major part of this past week with young people from our parish, specifically young people from Republic Trinity and from here at St. Paul's. These young people were a part of our Confirmation Camp. It was three days at St. Paul's. Confirmation Camp was a wonderful example of community within our five churches of our Five Point Parish. The kids came from two of those five churches. We utilized resources that were available here at our host church at St. Paul's. I picked kids up in the van from faith so parents didn't have to worry about transportation in the middle of the workday. We called it the cool van. Well, I did. I don't know if they did. We talked about how we live in community. We talked about the kids' place in that community. We talked about the fact that these young people play an important role, not only just in our faith community and our church, but also in our wider community. Even though they are young disciples, it doesn't mean they are lesser than. Just as in our story today, God can and will use you, no matter what your chronological age is. We all have goods and gifts and talents that can be shared within community. And in addition, we never really know how our individual actions may affect the greater community. I took a lot of pictures of our confirmation camp this week. And you'll see the majority of them on Confirmation Sunday, which for this church happens to be the 17th of September. But I wanted to show you one picture in particular today. Carter, you wanna go ahead and, there we go. This is not a picture that I took. This picture was taken by a woman named Ellen Beckley. She is the aunt of Danny Perry who owns Big Mike's which is right down Washington Street. My niece and my nephew are friends with Danny and his wife and so I've been to Big Mike's several times. Danny is an awesome guy. He's doing wonderful things in Tiffin for himself, his family, and for our greater community. But this story is not about Danny. This story is about his Aunt Ellen. On Tuesday, the confirmation campers and I decorated rocks. These rocks were not anything fancy. They weren't nice, smooth river rocks that you normally get when you're going to paint rocks. These rocks were from my garage in a bag that I have. For when, you know, the mood strikes in early spring and I think I can grow flowers, uh, which by July are just pots of dirt. But but in the bottom of those pots of dirt are these jaggedy rocks that help water drain away. And so they they were not pretty rocks. They were jagged. They had hard edges. But we thought we could pretty them up. So we use markers and our best imaginations to try and redeem these fairly ugly rocks into something that might catch someone's eye and bring a bit of joy. We were talking at that time about how God redeems us, even in our most jaggedy state, and how God offers us a new identity and a new purpose. So after lunch, we packed up our redeemed rocks, and we walked down Washington Street to Big Mike's for ice cream. Some of the kids hid their rocks on the way down the street, and some of them kept their rocks to put them in the rock garden that's behind Big Mike's. So you have homework today. You have to well, not today because they're closed on Sunday. But sometime this week, go to Big Mike's and go through the drive-thru and look at all the rocks, and you'll see not just our rocks, but you'll see plenty of painted rocks. Ours are not the pretty smooth ones that you'll see. You see, Aunt Ellen is the artist behind the painted rocks that are at Big Mike's. Some of them that she's painted have. Images of Danny on them. Some of them have images of her brother, who was Danny's dad. His name's Mike, and he's passed away. Some of them have Jesus on them. Some of them just have words on them. And and you'll notice that other folks besides us have decorated rocks and put them in the rock garden as well. When Ellen came to the window, it just so happened in this God wink moment that Ellen waited on us that day. And I mentioned that we were there to put our rocks in the rock garden and she was so excited. She was so excited that she asked if she could take our picture so she could share it with Danny and tell him that we had come to put rocks. And and if you follow Big Mike's on Facebook, we were Facebook famous for a minute because Danny shared that picture. While Aunt Ellen was filling our order, she told me that she had never painted a thing in her life before she started painting these rocks. Aunt Ellen said that her husband had died in 2021, and after his passing, she was lonely, and she had a lot of time to fill. And she felt like she needed something to do to help fill up that time, so she started painting rocks just for fun. And then when Big Mike's opened and she started working there, she brought the rocks to work, and she put the rocks in the rocks that surrounded the drive-through speaker. One of the rocks even has a note painted on it saying that if you find the rock, you get um, some, a percentage off of your meal that day, and if you go rehide it in the community, someone can find it and bring it to redeem, uh, a, a, to get like a, a rock coupon on their meal. The rocks have brought Aunt Ellen very much joy. They helped her through a time of grief, and they've now become a source of laughter and joy in her life. And she was thrilled, absolutely thrilled that our kids would take time out of their confirmation camp to decorate rocks for her rock space. She was so touched that something that she did, purely something she did to help herself during a difficult time, could be noticed and then replicated in the community. After the kids and I came back to the church, we talked about how interconnected community really is and how our interaction with Aunt Ellen was an example of that. In that moment when we stood at Big Mike's and Ellen took our picture, we had a shared identity, just briefly. But for that moment, we shared the identity of those who want to make Tiffin a kinder place, the kind of place where something with rough edges can be redeemed into something beautiful. Our kids were able to play a part in God's larger story. And on that day, the story had them cross paths with someone who was deeply impacted by their presence. Our scripture reading today is a favorite of mine. I love kids. And I think that we don't often appreciate kids for all they have to offer. In this scripture reading, the record of Jesus feeding more than 5,000 people with a lunch given, the lunch belonged to a young boy who just happened to be there. This is the only one of Jesus' miracles besides the resurrection to be included in all four of the gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all thought that this moment was a big enough deal that they included it in their gospels. As we remember how this miracle took place, it's always seemed kind of strange to me that Jesus asked the young man for his lunch, some fish and some bread. Clearly, Christ could have done this on his own. He didn't need this young man's lunch to make this work. He knew what he was going to do. So why would he take measly fish and bread? Why didn't he just whip something up himself to feed the great crowd that was before him? This story teaches us so much about community. This story is layered in community. First, Jesus is with his community, his small circle, and then he's with this great crowd of people who have come to seek out Christ because they've heard of the wondrous things that he does. They had all gathered to hear him teach. This was this first layer or two of community. All of these people, thousands upon thousands, had a shared curiosity about Jesus and what he was offering. They weren't all the same. They didn't all understand what he was saying. There were folks who were there that had more education, some with less. There were folks that had more resources and success, and some who faced great need. But they all because of Christ Jesus draws all people to himself if we just allow ourselves to succumb to the curiosity about his grace and his teachings we all won't come in the same way we all won't show up with the same thinking but in that moment we share an identity because we are all seekers much like us here today we are all seekers of something more Something that we've not been able to find anywhere else. These people did not differ much from the kids in confirmation camp. They don't differ much from you and me as we gather here today. We each come with our own ideas, our own understandings, our own praise, our own prayers, our own questions. We come with with everything that is separate, but in this moment we come together and take on a communal identity because we're all here seeking Jesus. Jesus recognizes all the differences in those gathered before him, and he recognizes the thread that weaves them all together. And then he realizes that they share an identity of need. They're all hungry. They've walked to get to him. They've endured whatever weather and elements they had to overcome, and now they're hungry. And so Christ wants to care for that physical need. Jesus was very hospitable to crowds that followed him. There were times in scripture when he was hungry or tired, but he would look with pity on his people and he would care for them. And as this crowd grows hungry together, their bond as a community grows because now they have a need in common. And Jesus recognizes the need and looks for ways to fill the need. Jesus discusses the community's needs with his disciples. He might, you might call it a mini vision meeting like we're going to have at the end of the month. Look, these people are hungry. What can we do? But the disciples were less than helpful. They seem to forget that God stands among them. They mention very human solutions to the problem. They say, we don't have enough money to feed. All, how are we going to feed all these people? Clearly, they've never met a United Methodist woman. We could feed people, right? And so they say, "Well, okay, this, this kid's got lunch, but but what could we do with that? How far could these fish and loaves go? Did they not realize that God stood in their midst? That if anyone could have known how to make much of little, that it was Jesus? Surely it would be the same people who saw water turn to wine, right? They're a little slow on the pickup, but before we judge them too harshly, how many times have we as a community, as a church, as a family, as a team, faced what seems to be an unsolvable problem, an unsettleable conflict, a mountain too great to overcome, and we've acted as if God's not even in the room? How many times have we faced a problem and said, well, here's what I've got, but what can you do with that? How could this little resource, how could my little lunch help to solve this large problem? How could these fish and these loaves feed so many? When the question should be, here's what I have. God, what can you do? Once again, the God of community will provide. And he doesn't say to the disciples, though he does on some occasions, he doesn't say, oh, you have little faith. Stand back and see what God can do with this lunch. Instead, he invites them to sit down and have a seat at the feast that is coming. Christ is reminding us in this moment that doubters will be fed. That gloom and doomers will eat. That anyone who is hungry and asking will be fed. And there will be so much that there will be baskets and baskets of leftovers. Fish overflows, bread overflows, grace overflows. Yet we forget. We as a community forget that God sits with us at this feast of plenty. We forget that Jesus is attuned to our physical needs, our hunger, our thirst, our wants, our hurts. That Christ will provide for them. We forget that God is interested. Like I said to the kids, you think God cares that you're going to school? Yes, God cares that you're going to school. This this kingdom that Christ is building is true community. God cares for all. God is available to all. God gives provision to all. There are no longer insiders and outsiders. You are welcome here at Christ's invitation. We share an identity as one. Our identity is rooted in Jesus. Just as in that moment we were uh, sharing an identity as We share an identity as Christians because of Christ, the rock. This identity binds us together. We talked in confirmation class about the early church and how they lived. Scripture says that they lived together, ate together, learned together, shared resources, that there were no rich and there were no poor because everything was shared. They prayed together, worshipped together. This was a radical change, especially for those who had been part of the Jewish faithful, who had been dependent on sacrifices and rituals for worship on who had known themselves as the set-apart people of God, all of a sudden, God was for all. No longer would there be divisions among them. Unity was possible. The outcast was now in. The unclean was clean. The person on the fringe was now a true part of the community. Sounds heavenly, doesn't it? I made the kids vote on lunch. Two days, I mandated what they were eating for lunch. The first day, we went to the sharing kitchen, and we ate, and they learned about that ministry. The second day, I made them eat Lee's chicken because Joyce said she would go get it. And on the, on the, at the end of the second day, I made them all come. We were in the parlor. They all had to come to the center carpet, and I said, okay, we're going to vote on lunch tomorrow. And they said, yes. And I said, here's the rule. Because at confirmation camp, if you were shy and you didn't want to share, you didn't have to. Because sometimes community means not forcing people to do things when they're uncomfortable. And so you had to share, but it could be through a way that was comfortable for you. They could hand their response to someone else to be shared verbally. They could text it to me and I would share. But in this moment, because this wasn't like sharing our innermost thoughts, This was voting on lunch. I said, everybody has a voice. At this table, you have to tell me. You have to give me an idea for lunch. And so seven people, they all had a voice. And we listed on the board all the choices for lunch. We had several pizza places. So our first vote was to eliminate one of the pizza places. So once we had our list, we voted, we eliminated a pizza place. Then the grumbling began, because somebody's pizza place Hit the bricks. I said, That's, this is how it goes. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got a vote. So we continued to vote until we finally narrowed it down and we decided on Marcos. And there were some unhappy people because they didn't want Marcos. And I said, listen, we're the church. This is how church works. In the United Methodist Church, everybody has a, vo- a voice. And in the United Methodist Church, everyone has the opportunity to have a vote. So, A, if you don't vote, don't come with your voice later. I don't don't want you to not vote and then come tell me how you didn't get what you didn't get. So, everybody had a voice. Everybody had a vote. We ended up with Marcos. Some people were mad. I said, this is church. Sometimes you're going to get Marcos. Sometimes you're not going to like it but we are a community. And you don't not come to confirmation tomorrow because you got Marcos. You come and eat your Marcos. Right? Sometimes you're not going to like what happens in the community. Sometimes in your family, you don't like what happens. Sometimes it gets mandated. Sometimes it gets voted upon. But you're not always going to like it. We found a, a way to work around it. The people that didn't like Marcos pizza said, well, I like breadsticks. So we ordered breadsticks. You see, that's community. We can make it work. You're not always going to get your way. I explained that in church, you're going to like about 70% of what happens. When you're in your 30% of things you don't like, somebody is right smack dab in the middle of their 70. And part of being community is understanding that sometimes you're going to get Marcos. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're going to get what your favorite was. What we do with it as a community is what makes us the church. And so the next day, we all gathered around and ate our Marcos. Some of us were not happy about it. I was one. But sometimes that's lunch. God doesn't say, I'll give you what you want. Jesus didn't say, Well, I've got these fish and loaves, so if you want steak, line up over here, and I'm going to give you some steak. And if you want fish and bread, line up over here, I'm going to give it. No, God doesn't say, I'm going to give you what you want. God says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you what you need to survive. Sometimes you're going to get steak, sometimes you're going to get fish, sometimes you're going to get Marcos. But you're always gonna have a place in this community. And you're always gonna have a voice. And sometimes you're gonna have a vote, but you're always gonna be fed. So, as I invite the band to come forward, I want us to consider a few questions. How can we draw toward that? That heavenly idea that everybody fits, that everybody's important. How can we draw the circle wider? How can we include more people? How can we share this community? How is God calling us to use our resources and our gifts to build and serve the greater community? Do we have a lunch that we can give? Do we have a lunch that we can say, okay, God, what can you do with this? We're going to do some dreaming for this church within the next couple weeks. Everybody can have a voice. Everybody can have a vote. I'm going to ask you what you would do here if you knew we could not fail. Who would you invite to church if you knew they would come? Who would you invite to Bible study if you knew that they were seeking? Who have we overlooked in our community? Who's living on the fringe that Jesus is saying, look, if I were here today, I'd be going for them. Whose potential are we doubting? Who are we viewing as the young boy with only a few fish and few loaves? Who are what are we talking about when we say, what could God do with that? Because someone said, what good can come of Nazareth?
0: Thank you once again for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about our church or our services, the links to our website and our YouTube channel are found in the description below. Thank you.